It is good to be with you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we will be in verses 32 through 43. As you are turning there, I got a question for you. What comes to your mind when you think of the word miracle? What comes to your mind when you think of the word miracle? Now, I was thinking about what our particular cultural context might think about when they hear the term miracle. And a couple of at least scenes come to my mind or images. And the first one is the line, the security line at the Orlando International Airport. And can you make it on time to your flight these days? Like if you can make it on time to your flight these days and you're showing up two hours earlier, that might be considered by some a miracle. And then another image that really comes to my mind is uh, frozen. And if, if you could wait in line less than five minutes, that would be a miracle. <laughs> like we, we have been to Epcot so many times and there's only been one time where the wait had been less than 15 minutes and that was when a torrential downpour happened. But anytime I go there and I, I see the wait time being 65, 70, 75, 90 minutes, I'm like, nope, see ya, not going to do it. It's not worth it, guys, it's not worth it. But anyways, if you can get a less than five minute, then that's a miracle. Uh, another miracle that people might think about is Cinderella stories. Now, Princeton, they lost in the Sweet 16, so they did not make it to the Elite Eight. But you know, sometimes people might think, oh man, that was, that was miraculous that they won two times and they were ranked number 15 entering into the tournament. Another image that really comes to my mind is when a child has fun grocery shopping with her parent. I've never, I'm telling you, we, we, we have three kids and they, they, they've never smiled when they went to the grocery store. I remember just like a week ago, Joni made all three kids because we had been gone on vacation. She made all three kids go to their grocery store. All I heard was complaining and frowning and we spent way more money. So I'm like, I'm like, here's the thing. If you're not going to enjoy it, I told Joni this. I was like, if they're not going to enjoy it and smile while they go grocery shopping, they ain't coming. So uh, we, we spend way too much money when they come. But another image that comes to my mind is when teenagers actually have a smile and enjoy doing the dishes. <laughs> like if you can find a teenager that enjoys chores and smiles, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. You can tell, tell your neighbor, that's a miracle. And then maybe the last but not least, maybe you are in need of a miracle today. Maybe you're in need of a miracle. I tell you often, I don't know all of your stories, don't know your background, don't know what you're dealing with, don't know the season of life that you're in. But I, I bet you, because we've done this two other times this weekend, I bet you there, there are many people in this room, you need a miracle. There are many of you engaging with this online, you need a miracle. And while we're on the topic miracle, just so that we're on the same page, let me go ahead and define miracle for us. Miracles are an observable and unexplainable act in terms of human abilities. In other words, you see something that happens and you cannot explain it. So you've seen it, but you cannot explain it. No human terms can explain it. No human abilities can explain what happened. So, so they're, they're observable, unexplainable that point to a supernatural work of God that demonstrates 
possibly manifest the inbreaking kingdom of God, thus pointing to who Jesus is and what Jesus ultimately accomplished through his death and resurrection. That's the definition. That's our working definition of miracles. So it's God supernaturally at work in our world. And as he supernaturally works in our world, it's the inbreaking kingdom of God made possible by Jesus's death and resurrection. So that, that's miracles there. And I want you to know that our God, he's not done working, performing miracles. I was reading a book this week, and it was, it was actually a really good book about the spiritual gifts, and I was reading particularly the chapter on miracles. Now, there, there are sev- or several different options that Christians, they actually hold when it comes to what they believe about miracles. Let me give you the, the five, at least the top five options that we have. The, the first option is this, is that miracles no longer occur. Like I just said, that I do not believe that, but there are some Christians out there that believe miracles no longer occur. The second option is that miracles might still occur, but are extremely rare. So there, on, on rare occasion, you might experience a miracle. The third option is that miracles happen but independent of human involvement. So just because you prayed, that doesn't mean that a miracle happened. God's working independently of humanity. And then the fourth option is that miracles always happen. And if they don't, then the fault is on the Christians. Like I had been listening to a couple of other people teach about miracles this week. I was reading several books and I did come across this option here where people would even say, I I think the reason why a miracle didn't happen is because I didn't have enough faith or they didn't have enough faith. And so it's, it's on you because you didn't see the miracle. So, so, so in Dallas, something was wrong with you. It's your fault that you didn't see a miracle. Now, I do not hold that option. This is my option that I believe. And it's number five, miracles still occur not at our will, but God's sovereign will for his mission in the world. So God, God is still in the miracle working business, but we cannot generate a miracle. And that's what we'll see today. Well, we cannot generate a miracle. Only God can generate a miracle when he wants to generate it, but it will always be for his glory and the advancement of his mission in the world. That's the reason why he still performs uh, miracles. Now, I do think that when I think about miracles in our at least cultural context, I've actually been contemplating just as a 40-year-old why in the church we haven't talked more about miracles or, or, or why we haven't seen more miracles in our time, at least again, in, in the last 40 years. And here's my hypothesis. This is just, just my thesis is a hypothesis. I feel as though our culture at some point became too civilized and too sophisticated for miracles. I mean, we got modern medicine. We have technology. We have specialists. So therefore, we have doctors and therapists and psychiatrists and counselors and scientists, and then we we can actually afford access to these things. But I truly believe we are now entering into a cultural moment where doctors, they're, they're befuddled on some things. They don't have all the answers. There are psychiatrists and therapists and counselors 
They, they don't have the answers anymore to some of the cases that they see. And so I truly believe that we are being set up for the God of miracles to actually intervene in our time and space when the experts cannot solve, then the God who is the ultimate expert and the one who is in the process of making all things new, he's going to intervene. I believe it. He's just, we're just setting it up. So with that, here's the main point that we're going to flesh out th this morning is miracles are a MO, so modus operandi, so a mode of operation. Miracles are a MO of gospel ministry that advances God's mission. So will you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word, Acts 9, 32 through 43. So the Bible says this, as uh, Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda or Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas. You got to be careful with that word I learned this week. You, you could say it, another word. Who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the, everybody say it, Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. So I don't know what she preferred to go by, but you know, hey, you can choose. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Now, why in the world would they wash her body and put her upstairs? Well, here's why. Uh, Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Why? Well, Peter went to them or went to be with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. So they, they thought to themselves, hey, Peter's just next door in this community and city. Let's see if he will come and let's see if God will do a miracle. So let's, let's leave Dorcas, let's leave her upstairs. And so all the widows, so, so all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Well, Peter sent them all out of the room. Y'all, all y'all's weeping, all y'all's crying. Y'all get out of the room. And then he got down, so it's now quiet. He got down on his knees and he prayed, turning toward the dead woman. So Luke wants us to know she's dead. Everybody say dead. dead. She ain't like in a coma. She ain't hooked up to a ventilator. Girl's dead. All right, so, so turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. Just notice that Peter's not startled. He took her by the hand, helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them. Everybody say it. Alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people, what? Believed in the who? Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Let's pray. Father, you are the God of wonder. You are the God of miracles. And we pray to you this morning. And we pray not only would we learn about the miraculous, that we would learn about how you have healed and delivered people. 
But even this morning, would we experience you do it again? May we leave different than when we came here this morning as a result of the movement of the Spirit in our midst. For it's in our King's name we pray, King Jesus, amen. You may be seated. So when I started to read this passage in preparation for this weekend, I really sense the Spirit say, I don't want you to, I just don't want you to talk on this intellectually. I just don't want you to give them information about what I have done. I want you to carve space for me to work in our midst. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I'm going to give us really briefly 10 principles about miracles from this passage. And then we will leave about 15, 20, 30 minutes available for for anyone who needs a miracle in your life. We will have stations set up. I will be up here at the front. We will have elders in the back with oil to, to pray over those who are sick. So we want to carve out space for God to demonstrate in our midst his presence and his power. So you, you, you ready? Say you're ready. ready. All right. So we're ready for all this. So uh, principle number one is this. Miracles and the need for them remind us that everything is not okay. The fact that we would even have this idea of miracle even in our vocabulary would remind us that everything is not okay. So when you look at this passage and you see this man, we don't know his name, but he, he, is, he had been bedridden for eight years. He was paralyzed. And then Tabitha or Dorcas, she got sick and died. And so if you're looking at just those two situations, there's something about it that just does not sit right with human beings. So when you look out at your own life or you look out at the world and you see brokenness, you see division, you see addiction, you see divorce, you see unforgiveness, you see all of the things uh, that just doesn't sit right with us. We are reminded, and maybe you've prayed for a miracle, but you are reminded that everything is not okay. And then as human beings, we've got to go in search of an answer to, to help us process why everything is not okay. Now, as Christians who believe in the Bible, the reason why we believe that everything is not okay is because we believe human beings are not okay because they sinned against God. So God had created a perfect world. Everything operated according to God's design of it. And then he had created mankind in his image, placed them in the garden, told them you can have complete freedom, just don't eat from this tree. And that tree was a reminder that God owned the garden, not man. But, but what happened was that Adam and Eve, they sinned by eating from the tree. God told them not to. As a result, the order that God had created everything in was unraveled because of sin. And so therefore, the reason why we're not okay and we experience things that make us feel this, this tension that everything is not okay is because of sin. So miracles are just a reminder. The need for miracles are a reminder that everything is not okay. And just note, note this because this was the creative element this week. So I said miracles are an M-O. So all 10 points will have an M and an O. All right, just, just FYI. So number two is this, uh, miracles aren't the only option for advancing God's mission. 
Miracles are not the only option for advancing God's mission. Now, we actually see it in this passage, which, which is why I wanted us to carve out the, the time. But, but in the previous passage that we looked at last week, God actually works through pain and suffering too. So he might not show up and perform a miracle. He, he might actually want to work through your pain and suffering. Also, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the New Testament, particularly the book that we're in, Acts, God actually works through the teaching and preaching of his word. He actually works through hospitality, welcoming the stranger, welcoming those that you might not know much about. God also works through our vocation and, our mar- and the marketplace. He works through the prayers of his people. And and I I want us to caution ourselves too, never to oblige God to perform a miracle. Because I I know you, you, you might get to this point where you're like, God, if you don't show up and do this thing, then you know what, I'm not gonna believe in you anymore. So what you're doing, you're obliging God to show up, and if he doesn't show up, you're gonna do something else. And the reason why I would caution all of us in obliging God to show up and perform a miracle is because he does work in other ways. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so miracles are just an option. They they are not the option in God's working in and through us. Number three, miracles typically come when you've exhausted all options. All right, so let's think about this. Now, I'm going to infer some things, particularly in this passage, but I believe I'm on solid ground in doing so. So this man had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Do you think they've tried everything to reverse the paralysis? Everything that they would have known to do, they, they probably tried it. And then with, with Dorcas, we see that she was sick first, And then she died. You don't think that they tried all kinds of medicinal remedies to try to help her? What you actually see even in Luke chapter 8, this reminds me of what happened in Luke chapter 8. There's this this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. It says that basically she wiped out her savings for doctors. I mean, she had gotten to the point that she had tried every option available. And so here, since, since we brought up this idea of medicine, let, let, let me just touch on a few things about medicine. You, you do realize that medicine is as old as the fall. And then like when you read through Genesis, you actually come across a passage where it talks about mandrakes. I don't know what a mandrake is, but I think it's a fruit. And they would eat mandrakes, especially if a couple, uh, particularly a woman was infertile, they thought that mandrakes would, would help her be fertile, kind of like eggplant parmesan today. I don't know why, that must be an Italian thing. I don't know. <laughs> but, but then you read like Jeremiah and Isaiah, and there was, there was balm uh, for sores, and then figs act, acted as a cure for boils. And then even Jesus says himself that the sick need a doctor. So let me just say it this way. One shouldn't be waiting around on a miracle when there is medicine. One shouldn't be waiting around, waiting on a miracle when there is medicine. 
I do believe that God works through medicine just as he would work through miracles. And I don't believe that medicine, from even a biblical perspective, is a secular avenue and miracles a spiritual one. Well, why is that, Josh? Well, because I believe that the cultivating of raw materials to create medicine is an act of imaging God through subduing the raw materials. So in Genesis 1, What we see, God gave Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. So medicine is an act of of, of mankind imaging God by taking raw materials and making something of the world for the good of others and ultimately for the glory of God. Now, I understand we live in a fallen world and those who actually might cultivate the raw materials, they might not understand what they're doing is imaging God. And they may not ultimately be doing it for the glory of God, but they are doing it for the good of others. And so there's this common grace that is applied in medicine. But while I'm on medicine, I do want us to understand that medicine can be seen and used in a secular and abusive manner. If you come to rely on and praise medicine rather than the God who brought about the ability to create medicine, then you have this now an abusive and secular mindset. If you use medicine by taking more than prescribed, that is an abusive element to medicine. If you use medicine you don't need to make you feel a certain way, that is an abuse of medicine. So, uh, so while there are definitely a secular viewpoint of medicine and abuses to medicine, I do believe that according to the scripture, medicine is a way to exhaust your options. And that's what we see particularly here. I'm sure, I'm sure that they had exhausted their options. And that's why I said what I said earlier. I believe that we are entering into our cultural moment where doctors don't have the answers. A psychiatrist and therapist, they don't have the answers. And so people, individuals can be seeing them for years on end and not really make any significant headway. And therefore, and I'm telling you, I've had people come to me yesterday and this morning. I've tried it all and I'm in need of a miracle. So miracles typically come when you've exhausted all the options, which is why you're desperate for a miracle. Number four, miracles are an outpouring of the inbreaking kingdom of God. So miracles are an outpouring of the inbreaking kingdom of God. So when you read the gospels, and then again, when you read this passage that we are in, you, you have this reversal So you have this reversal of the effects of sin in the world. So for Aeneas, he's no longer paralyzed. Dorcas, she is revived to life. Now she's not resurrected, okay? This is not her resurrected body, and you know why? Because Dorcas is not among us today. It's not like she has this Facebook profile. I'm Dorcas, I'm 2,033 years old. I mean like, no, no, she dead, she dead again. So she's just revived, she's not resurrected. The resurrection will come at the very end and all the saints, those who have trusted in Jesus, those who were longing for Jesus in the Old Testament, they will be raised to new life, they will have resurrected bodies. This isn't it, but yet it's still a in-breaking sign of the kingdom of God. I want us all to realize once again 
That in God's kingdom, there are no headaches, no arthritis, no cancer, no handicaps, no disfigurement, no disabilities, no disorders, no blindness, no lameness, no seizures, stomach ulcers, no fevers, no schizophrenia, no demon possessions, no viruses, no viral infections, no eating disorder, no addiction, no thyroid issues, no high blood pressure, no high cholesterol, no blood clots, no malaria, no typhoid, no COVID, no death. None of that exists in the kingdom of God. And what you have in the Bible is that when Jesus came, he inaugurated, he initiated the kingdom of God on earth. So he, he, he brought heaven for, for in, a, in an initiation sense, brought heaven to earth. And now between his first coming and his second coming, he is at work in the world manifesting the signs of the kingdom of God. But when he comes back a second time, that's when you will see no more of this because he will fully have made all things new. So right now we live in between the times and we live in this time where we are praying for Holy Spirit driven miracles that what is dead would come back to life. What doesn't function would function. What is floundering and flailing would begin to flourish. What is fractured would be restored while we're praying for the inbreaking kingdom of God. So if you are in need of a miracle. You need to find out what the inbreaking kingdom of God looks like in, in coming in your life in power to reverse the curse or the effects of sin because it's the inbreaking kingdom of God that miracles are pointing to. Number five, miracles occur when God's people operate in faith. So the only, the only time that Jesus gets ticked off at his disciples when it comes to like miracles is when they had little faith. And it is ye of little faith. And then what we see here with Peter, I think he's learned his lesson because he operates in faith. He expects Dorcas to get up. And he's not surprised when she gets up. I mean, I, like I would probably, right now, I would, if, some, if you brought me a dead person and I laid my hands on this dead person and that dead person got up, I'll just be honest, I'd be like, dang. <laughs> so old Peter, he's not saying dang in, in Greek. He's like, I, I expected it because he operates in faith. Do you believe? And this, this is for me too because I'm being stretched and challenged because my upbringing and the circles that I grew up in, Southern Baptist circles to, to be exact, we didn't talk a lot about the spirit. We didn't talk a lot about miracles. And so over the last couple of decades, I have been stretched and I, I'm, I'm being challenged. Do I believe that God can work a miracle? Will I operate in faith to be expectant for God to show up and show off? Number six, miracles might overlook some people while occurring in others. All right, so Peter, he's in Lydda, and then he goes to Joppa. You think the man, again, we don't know his name. You think the man who was paralyzed, he was the only person that was in need? You think in Joppa, Dorcas was the only person that died or the only person that was sick? No. So we're left to ask this question. God, why did you move in their life and not others? I mean, even when Jesus ascended back into heaven. There were a lot of sick. 
There were a lot of demon-possessed people that, that were still present and living on planet Earth when Jesus went back to the Father. He didn't heal everyone. So, so we're left to go, okay, uh, well, then, then it just might be that he chooses to work a miracle in one's life and not another. Think about the Apostle Paul. There's this place in 1 Corinthians where he's talking about a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. Some people think it was an eye disease that he had. Some people thought it was just a spirit that kept on just bothering him. Uh, We just don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. But we know that Paul prayed that God would remove the thorn of flesh. But did God remove the thorn of flesh as we know? No, the thorn of the flesh was there. So this is the apostle Paul who was used in many ways to perform miracles on others, but yet a miracle he was asking for, God overlooked him. But in that passage in 1 Corinthians, he does say this, that even if you choose to leave the thorn in the flesh, your grace will be sufficient for me. And that is a miracle in and of itself. So you might be here and God might, for some reason, beyond our understanding, might overlook a miracle in your life, but give you the miracle of grace and his grace is sufficient for you. So just want you to know, like, and it doesn't mean, like when you look at somebody else who God worked a miracle, listen, they're not super spiritual and you're not because of this principle right here. Miracles, number seven is this. Miracles aren't necessarily prompted by people's obedience. See, we we don't know, like, we assume that this guy is a believer, but that's all we know. We We don't know how obedient he is, how, you know, unfaithful he is. For Dorcas, she died. Now, it does seem like she was a faithful believer, but another passage that I have in my mind is Mark chapter 2. There's these four friends that have a lame friend that they want to bring to Jesus. And you know, the very first thing that Jesus declares to this lame man is your sins are forgiven. And then he heals him. See, this should be really, really good news for many of you because I would dare say that there are many of you here engaging with us online. You are addicted to some form of sin. It could be pornography. It could be uh, another form of uh, sex. You can be addicted to pain medication and you are abusing the pain medication. You can be addicted to anger and outburst of anger. And I want you to realize is that your performance of obedience is not contingent upon God working a miracle in your life. That should be good news for you. Number eight, miracles do have an off switch. Hey, what do you mean by that, Josh? Well, like I said, we don't know this guy's name, but he ain't here. Dorcas, she died again, and she stayed dead. So at some point, the miracle wore off. And I want you to realize, too, that you can experience a miracle today, but something else happens to you tomorrow. God can cure you of cancer today, but you get in a car wreck tomorrow. God could cure you of an illness. God could, he could reconcile your marriage, but then you might have to start dealing with maybe some, some, some infighting with other family members. I, I don't know, but here's what I do know is that miracles do have an off switch. 
At some point, they run its course. And then at some point, every single one of us in this room, we will die. So they do have an off switch. Number nine, miracles are a strategy for outreach. See, what you'll see here is that by these miracles occurring, you have these crowds of people that are gathered to hear the gospel. So they are a strategy. They're not the strategy. They are a strategy for outreach. And I do want us to realize that Jesus, he is not concerned with gathering a crowd as much as he is concerned with seeing converts. See, miracles are not happening in and of themselves, but God uses miracles to create a platform to share the gospel. Actually, in some parts of the world right now where there are witch doctors that actually do perform miracles. If Christians enter into that community, to even begin to actually engage with that community, miracle, they have to perform miracles so that people would listen to them. So miracles are just a strategy for outreach, but then the, number 10 is the most important principle this morning, and it's this. Miracles aren't the objective Jesus is. Like, yes, I, I would, just as anybody in here would want you to be, to be free of cancer. But that's not the ultimate objective. We want you to be free of addiction. But the ultimate objective is you to be free of the penalty of your sin. To know Jesus, to know him. Not to know about him, but to know him. So miracles are not the objective Jesus is. And Jesus is more than enough. You don't need a miracle in place of Jesus. You need Jesus. And so if you can just keep that in mind in your life when you get to a point where you need a Miracle. So here's what we're going to do. we got people moving around. They're about to get in their stations. And so we're going to spend the, the next moments praying over you. So we got, again, we have multiple stations all over. For those of you who are engaging with us online, just use the hashtag miracles. So hashtag miracles and our online host. So Rob, uh, he's, in, he's, in, he's in the building. Uh, in our, so that's where our online host is every single weekend. And so... Rob would love to minister to you, so hashtag miracles. He'd pray over you. If you need a miracle and you say, well, what miracle? Here's a list. Here's a list that you might be sitting with. Addiction. Maybe some of you, you, you are addicted and you need freedom and you've exhausted, you've exhausted all options, but you still struggle with addiction. Mental and emotional issues. Maybe you suffer from anxiety, depression. Maybe you're on medication, but it doesn't even work anymore. And you need to be free. Maybe some of you, you're dealing with anger. Some of you men, man, it's, it's driving a wedge in your marriage. It is driving a wedge at your work. And you need freedom. You need healing from your anger issues. Family, maybe, maybe some of you, divorce is just lurking. You know divorce is imminent. But you need a miracle. Financial. You got more month than you do money, and you've, try, you've tried to be a good steward, but it's just, not, it's just not 
adding up and you need a miracle vocational some of you you've been unemployed some of you are underemployed and you've been looking for several years for that job and you need God to break through and give you a miracle relational some of you you've been holding on to unforgiveness and it has actually made you physically ill you have resentment and you need a miracle you need God to intervene and change your heart physical if that's you you are sick you have a physical ailment we have our elders in the back there ready with the oil and they will perform what we call a James 5 prayer so James he is the half-brother of Jesus he wrote in his epistle that if any of you are sick call on the elders and they will anoint you with oil and they will pray over you so if you are physically sick you can go back there and then last but not least this is the greatest miracle of all miracles spiritual awakening Some of you, you know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. You've never given your life over to him. Sure, you've added some some spirituality, you've added some religion in your life, but you have never repented of your sin. You've never turned the other direction and said, Jesus, you are my king. Jesus, you're my savior. I want my life to center around you. I believe that you are the cosmic king who has come to make all things new, and I give you my life. You've never done that, and today you need the miracle of all miracles where the spirit of God would awaken your heart to respond to the good news of King Jesus. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a miracle praying session. If you need a miracle, you come father in the name of our King work mightily. Will you perform what, what would just bewilder our minds this morning? Not, not because we're seeking the miracle we are seeking the miracle worker because you are our objective. Just demonstrate in power, Spirit of God, that you are present and moving in and through us. For it's in our King's name we pray. Amen.